we're going to get into our third lesson on how to be led by God. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to challenge us and maybe even correct some of us old school word of faith people to balance us a little bit better. Father, we thank you for lesson three this morning on how to be led by God. We thank you for your wisdom. I ask you, Lord, to anoint me to teach these lessons, and may they be a blessing to all those who listen in the future on Pod School. We take a moment, Lord, to pray for Pod School and all the people that do listen it from all over the world. I thank you, Father, that you allow us to teach doctrine. May it be used in churches. May it be used in schools. May it be used in Bible schools and by missionaries. Bless these lessons as we write them, as we edit them, as we teach them, as we upload them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me take a moment just talking about pod school because we write these for your benefit, but also they go, I'm mindful when I write them and when I teach them, they're going to go and live a lot longer beyond just when we record them. So one of my pastor friends, uh, his wife's about to teach eschatology. She, she's actually one of the few ladies I know that studies the Bible. She's pretty indicting. But her favorite subject is eschatology. So her husband's about to let her teach for months on eschatology. So we were talking about pod school. So she leans over in worship and says, I saw your pod school. I'm so excited about all your notes. So she's going to go devour everything we've devoured and then teach it in her, in her church. And then one of my pastor's friend, my pastor friends came up. His son came up to me, said, hey, Pastor Chris. I said, hey, name I don't know. I said, he said, you haven't uploaded anything new on pod school in a while. What's going on? I said, well, let's pull that out and take a look at it, young man. Excited that he's listened to everything we've ever posted. So I said, have you looked at Christianity 101? Oh, no, I haven't. I said, we just uploaded that. That's 14 lessons. You need to tear into that. And I said, and we're about to upload death. So you'll want to look at that one too. I'll do that. It just really blessed me that one of my pastor friends, his 20-something-year-old son, has listened to everything we've ever posted. And that gets to be a blessing to his church and his pastor. So anyway, these are for more than just us, but don't discount the fact that you are here to hear it live. Make sure you get the most out of it. All right, how to be led by God, lesson three, being led by wisdom. Uh, we've previously covered that the primary way God leads us is through his word, the Bible. Now we've expanded how to be led by God from how, how to be led by the Holy Spirit, which was a tremendous teaching through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we needed that. The problem is any, any doctrine, any teaching that isn't pruned or curbed will eventually grow to a point where it does need pruning or curbing. And so one of the things we looked at in the last two weeks is when all you are is led by the Spirit, you totally miss out on all the other opportunities God is screaming at you to help you and to improve your accuracy and to keep you safe. So rather than teach again on how to be led by the Spirit, I felt prompted of God. I felt like it was only necessary to expand and call it how to be led by God because God is a trinity. We understand that. Father, Son, and Spirit. But not just how to be led by the trinity, how to be led by all the other things the Bible teaches us are the leadings of God. And so even as I was writing this lesson and meditating on this teaching and how I wanted to compartmentalize and classify and break these things down, I was reminded of uh, some of my soil science classes in college and, and in soil science and geology, we learn about particle sizes. And so you have cobble, uh, boulders, cobbles, gravel, sand, silt, clay. So these things start large and they get smaller. And so then there's always a classic example of you take this colander or this cylinder and you pour marbles in there. 
and you teach the children about volumes and volumetric spaces and can we fit anything else in there? And the kids say, no, there's no more room for anything else in there. And then they add sand and sand fills in all the voids in between the marbles. Can we add anything else? Oh, no, no, you can't add anything else. And they pour in water and it fills in. So you see all the differences in volumes. And I got to thinking about how that applies to this and that if how to be led by God is a giant volumetric cylinder or container, the greatest way we're going to be led by God is the word. These are the boulders that fill in the bulk of how we're led by God. The next smallest size and common way in which we'll be led by God is by his wisdom. And his wisdom will fill in all those places. And then after that, we'll see uh, peace. And then after that, the Holy Spirit. And then after that, the pastors and leaders. And then after that, the word of the Lord. And then after that, the supreme voice of the Father. To where they also... I guess the size represents, represents the frequency with which we'll be led in that direction or led by that avenue. So our second most common way we're led by God is going to be wisdom, but wisdom is built from the Word of God primarily. So I want you to keep that in mind. We in charismatic circles and Word of Faith circles, we got into a competition about who could hear from the Spirit the most, and we made a bunch of fake gurus. And everything was about the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, or the Spirit led me, or the Spirit led me. We're all for the Spirit leading me, except when you have no fruit. And if the Spirit is leading you, well, He is the Holy Spirit who produces a fruit of the Spirit. And so we can really prove a lot of the leadings that went on the last 25, 30 years and say, mm, I, don't, I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. Might have been a Spirit, all right, but not the Holy Spirit. So... The number one way God leads us is the Word, the Bible. The Bible is God speaking to us, but sometimes the Word is silent on our specific situation or problem. The Bible doesn't tell you what job to take. The Bible doesn't tell you where to move. The Bible doesn't tell you who to marry. just gives you parameters. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell you whether to take a vacation or not. The Bible doesn't tell you whether to go into one country or a different country or not. But these are the things that wisdom can begin to even further focus in on and fine-tune us. And the heart of this message, I want to exalt wisdom because wisdom is the principal thing, not being led by the Spirit. Wisdom is the principal thing, not the gifts of the Spirit. And we have often in our circles or our flavor of churches, we've often looked down our nose at wisdom and we've, we've said, well, uh, lean not to your own understanding. You know, don't worry about your wisdom. God, God has something bigger than your wisdom. And we've honestly diminished wisdom, which is one of the greatest safety nets we have. And so one of the reasons we're going to look at this is to exalt wisdom so that we become little wisdom piggies and we want to gobble up wisdom from every direction that we can. Sometimes the word is silent on our specific situation or problem. In this case, we should look to the wisdom of God for leadership. Studying the Bible will grant you knowledge, but experience and the Spirit of God will grant you wisdom. Knowledge is a collection of facts. And that's great. I hope you know a lot of stuff. I hope you don't live by everything you know. Because a lot of what you know is corrupt. It's perverse. It's not true. Any education is full of a bunch of baloney. Philosophy has a lot of baloney in it. Psychology has a bunch of baloney in it. By baloney we mean dung. But knowledge is a collection of facts. Wisdom knows what to do with those facts. Knowing God's word is the primary way we are led by God, but wisdom is based on the word of God. And as Ephesians 1 says, he gives us the spirit of wisdom in our knowledge. 
the spirit of wisdom that's in our knowledge so that we know what to do with the knowledge we've obtained. Wisdom is a natural extension of knowing the Bible. So we look at our first verse, Proverbs 4, 5. This is an imperative. It's a commandment like any other. It says, get wisdom. Understood you, you, whoever's reading, get wisdom. What, what more do we need? Why? Proverbs 2 says, when wisdom enters into your heart, not your head, knowledge rests in your head, the Bible's very clear that wisdom is an attitude and a spirit of the heart. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, here's what it'll do for you. Wisdom will preserve you. Wisdom will keep you. Wisdom will deliver you that you may walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of righteousness. So right there, we're talking about direction. We're talking about leading. We're talking about a way of life. Proverbs 14, 8a says, The wisdom of the shrewd person is to discern his way. It doesn't mean we have to have a gift of the Spirit. Just wisdom alone tells us what to do. Wisdom tells you what business to enter into. Wisdom tells you who to fellowship with and who not to. Wisdom will tell you if there's a war-torn country, don't take a mission trip there. Learn to preach another day or live to preach another day. The country's not going anywhere. I, I checked the news this morning. Marlon, you appreciate this. An airplane a brand new Ethiopian airplane taking up out of Addis Ababa for Nairobi crashed and killed everybody on board this morning. Eight minutes into the flight, crashed, and they couldn't even get to it because it was a raging fire for two hours. Wisdom will say, if there's a lot of planes crashing right now, just stay at home. That country's not going anywhere. Wisdom. Wisdom. Ecclesiastes 10.10 is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Wisdom is profitable to direct. No Holy Spirit necessary. Now, we don't diminish the Holy Spirit, but I am trying to prune the excesses of, oh, I'm led by the Spirit, I'm led by the Spirit. I have a friend, uh, a pastor friend, and he had a, a guy in his church who was going to go to Uganda. And he knows that we go to Uganda a lot. We have a lot of connections there. And he said, I don't feel good about it. Would you talk to my guy? I said, oh, I can. I said, what's the deal? He said, my friend... My, my sheep met a guy on Facebook from Uganda, a pastor, and he wants him to come preach for him. And I said, okay, yeah, don't. That's not God. And wisdom is screaming at this guy, don't do this. You don't know who you're going to meet. There's so many scams on Facebook from all over the world, and you need to listen to your pastor. So the pastor had other pastors talk to him, had other missionaries talk to him. They all told him, no, he went anyway totally disregarded everybody. And it is only by the mercy of God that nothing catastrophic happened to him. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Why, why would you ignore everybody around you that has way more experience in ministry than you to go do a mission trip with somebody you met on Facebook? Just so you know, we used to when we had a stronger Facebook presence, but we're drying that up even as a church because Facebook is pretty useless. Uh, we used to have ministers from all over the world constantly pound our website asking for partnership or I believe God would have us to partner together. And you could tell they were trolling. And we just said, God bless you, we're praying for you. And we'd either unfollow them, block them, or just ignore them. And I didn't feel bad about it one iota because I have too much to do here to be distracted there. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom helps you find the way of righteousness. And honestly, for all the being led by the Holy Spirit that we've talked about, there's not been much righteousness in the last 25 years. 
Wisdom helps you find the way of righteousness. It is one of the seven primary ways God leads us, as we've talked about, and we're going to expound upon in the next several weeks. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts into wisdom. I use this at almost every funeral, but what I see from this is that we have to realize our life is very short, and you don't have enough time to waste. So you might as well get wisdom as quick as possible. There's no sense reinventing the will. There's no such thing as an old fool. So get around the old people who can help you, who've been through some things and experienced some things. When I took over this church, one of my first prayers I began to cry out for every day is I said, Lord, I don't have a clue what I'm doing, and I need 50 years of ministry wisdom, and I needed it yesterday. I've got to have ministry wisdom because I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody trained me for this. You only get so much time You need to be asking for wisdom so you don't bump around in the dark reinventing something that's already been developed 15 times over. Teach us to number our days. You you guys only have so many years left, and then you're dead. And you don't praise God from the grave. And you don't get to accomplish anything in the earth once you're done, so you got to get wisdom. We only get so many years on planet earth to accomplish something for God. Wisdom will improve your accuracy and efficacy for the kingdom and for yourself. Let us seek after wisdom so that we may improve our decision-making and our quality of life. Amen. Again, the heart of this message is to exalt wisdom so you're hungry for it. Your life should be getting better the more wisdom you have. You should be getting more financial wisdom, more marital wisdom, more parenting wisdom. There's so much out there. Again, we are a lazy culture, so we just want to exist. We want the state to take care of us as long as we have our bread and circuses as the Romans sold freedom for. As long as we have bread and circuses, I guess we're okay. But that is not adequate for the kingdom. What the Bible says about wisdom. The Bible has far more to say about wisdom than it does about being led by the Holy Spirit. Now here's a rule of hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the interpretation of scriptures. Is that whatever the Bible emphasizes over and over again is of more importance and needs to be heeded over than what the Bible is about quiet on or or least emphasizing. So it's a weighted average, if you would, to talk about mathematics and science. The Bible says so much more about wisdom than it does being led by the Holy Spirit. And I guess as I'm rolling through it in my mind, I can only come up with about 10 verses about being led by the Spirit. And most of them are Romans chapter 8. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You might be able to say the prophet said the Lord spoke, the word of the Lord came unto them saying do this and do that. We, it's a sound doctrine, but what we did in being led by the Holy Spirit is we discarded and discounted everything that was kind of boots on the ground, ready hands applicable because we wanted to look mystical. We wanted to look spiritual. We wanted to look like a guru. We had pride, spiritual pride. And honestly, the Baptists who don't have a strong doctrine of being led by the Holy Spirit, they have just marched on expanding the Baptist denomination around the world, not necessarily being led by the Holy Spirit. Yes, they have suffered losses that they didn't need to because they weren't led by the Holy Spirit, but they were led by the Word and wisdom, and boy, they just do a bang-up job of it all. The Word of Faith movement that really helped pioneer this in the last hundred years all but doesn't exist anymore. Because we left the word of God in wisdom to be led by the spirit, and that spirit is now teaching them to drink and fornicate, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Teaching them hyper grace. We left the word of God in our kinds of circles, and it's been catastrophic. I exalt wisdom over the voice of the Holy Spirit, and you should too. 
you should do that too because wisdom is profitable to direct. Before the Lord Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, when he come, he'll lead you, guide you in all truth. He'll show you things to come. Way before Jesus said that in John's gospel, Proverbs says wisdom, excuse me, that's Ecclesiastes, wisdom is profitable to direct. Though we should say this, the Bible says more about wisdom than being led by the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom, so we do see the interchangeableness of it. In order to magnify wisdom and build our faith for it, below is a list of verses describing benefits and abilities, the benefits and abilities of wisdom. So the Lord gives wisdom. We have a lot of references for all these. The Lord gives wisdom, so draw close to him and he'll give it to you. Happy is the man that has wisdom. So are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Uh, apparently one of the happy pills in the Bible is wisdom. Wisdom will make you happy because your life won't suffer so much. You'll improve accuracy. You'll improve your efficacy. You'll improve your performance by simply having wisdom. Wisdom is better than rubies. I like rubies. It's one of my favorite gemstones. But wisdom is better than rubies. Wisdom builds things. If your life is falling apart, wisdom will help put it back together. Fools die for lack of wisdom. Did you know that obesity is a total lack of wisdom and body care? And so people die for lack of physical wisdom. I'm working on the book Fat, Broke, and Crazy right now, and I'm doing a bunch of research on all the effects of obesity on the body. And I don't want my book to become too research-oriented or too... I don't, I don't want to reference too much stuff. But just in the simple research I've done on CDC's websites and all these medical websites, because it's the easiest way to do research, one thing's for sure. Your body was not designed by God to be fat. It breaks down everything about your body. Every system in your body suffers to, due to obesity. So there's no wisdom in that. We don't say any of that to condemn anybody, but to motivate you. Wisdom says keep your body within the windows or the parameters of operation. It's like when you, when you buy a gun or you buy a tow motor or a track hoe, you want to know what are the parameters of operation. And, you know, they don't even tell you the fullness of it because they know some idiot from Cookville will push that track hoe beyond its parameters. If it says it can lift six tons, it probably can lift seven Jeff's nodding his head. He works on heavy equipment. You know somebody's going to push it to the max. Well, America has experimented with the creation of human body and found out, yeah, it breaks down after so long, prematurely. Anyway, fools die for lack of wisdom. <laughs> I like the joke, what's the last thing you hear a redneck say? Watch this. <laughs> See that bobcat? Watch this. See that stick of dynamite? Watch this. See that cliff? Watch this. <laughs> yeah, fools die for lack of wisdom. A man is commended according to his level of wisdom. So commendation comes because you have wisdom. Wisdom will promote you. Wisdom is better than gold. Well, so we have two very precious things there that wisdom is better than. Whoever gets wisdom loves their own soul. But if you reversed it, if you don't get wisdom, you hate yourself. Wisdom will cost you something. The Bible says buy it and sell it not. So some of wisdom comes by buying books and reading. Some of wisdom comes by going to meetings and paying the price to be around smart people. Sometimes the best thing you do is get around an older person with experience, buy them lunch and pick their brain. 
Wisdom should cost you something from time to time. It's a valuable commodity. Correction brings wisdom. The Bible says the rod of reproof will bring wisdom. I don't know why we hate correction. I really don't know why America is so offended by correction. But correction, you should love it because it's, if correction brings wisdom and wisdom's better than rubies, and every time I correct you, it's like handing you a pile of gold. But we don't view it that way. Wisdom excels over folly. You can be stupid or you can be wise. And the Bible's pretty simple. Wisdom is better than being stupid. Amen. Ah, wisdom is necessary when you receive an inheritance. Amen to that. <laughs> Most inheritances don't last longer than a year because somebody's already squandered in on the next four-wheeler or whoever knows what else. I don't know. Wisdom brings profit. When you're wise, you will increase. You'll profit. Your marriage will profit. Your business will profit. Your health will profit. Wisdom is a defense. I like that. When you're wise, it's a defense mechanism. It's, it keeps you safe. It protects your home. Wisdom is a defense mechanism. Wisdom says, if I live in a bad neighborhood, I'm going to get a security system. Wisdom says, if it's a bad neighborhood, if I can move out, I'm going to move out of the bad neighborhood. Well, if everybody moves out, there won't be a neighborhood. That's not a bad thing. I don't understand why people don't move away from high crime areas. Well, they can't afford to. If you save, you can, can you afford to lose people? No. Wisdom is, it's, they call it the not so common, common sense is really all wisdom is. Wisdom is a defense. Wisdom gives life to those that have it. I like that too. So the wiser you are, the longer you'll live, the better, the higher quality of your life. Wisdom will help you live a higher quality. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. You know wisdom is tied into that. The more wisdom you have, the better quality of your life. And then you give that to your children and their quality of life improves as well. We're really emphasizing parenting a lot right now in our church. And I, I don't know the pain. I don't ever want to know the pain of what it is to know everything I know and somehow manage to watch my children live beneath that. I don't ever want to suffer that. I want to be able to impart wisdom to my kids so that they can know what I know and then build upon that and go further and higher. Barna Research just released a thing this week. It's no surprise to us in the church, but he said, young people who had no Christian upbringing have stronger walks with God than kids brought up in church. And we understand, we get that. But it should not be so. That is something broken in the home because the will of God is people to be born again and then reproduce kids in the born-again environment that can then catch the vision and go further. It would be the equivalent of researchers not building upon previous research. It would be like the next generation destroying all of our power plants and living in the dark and then somebody saying, you know what, living in the dark is stupid. We should like get some lamps Maybe find something that can produce something called electricity. What is that lightning bolt that comes down? Maybe I should fly a kite, see if I can harness some electricity. And Why would you reinvent the wheel? Why would you start from scratch? And yet, if parenting isn't done right, that's what happens. And so wisdom brings life, and we ought to be imparting wisdom to our children. Wisdom strengthens the wise. Notice that in that regard, wisdom is perpetuating. The more wisdom you have, the more wisdom you get. One of the things college kids have to do when they go to college is learn 
how to learn. And once you learn how to learn, you never stop. And that's why usually 10 years after college, you, think, you look back and you think, if I could go back to college now, nothing would be a problem. It would, college would not be hard because 10 years out of college, I've learned how to learn. And I'm, I learn more now in a week than I did in a semester in college because I'm hungry for knowledge. And in college, I just was hungry for good grades because I didn't want to flunk out. Wisdom is profitable to the wise. It strengthens the wise. And so uh, fools die for lack of wisdom. Fools don't want wisdom. They don't appreciate it. But the wise appreciate wisdom. And so it just keeps exponentially perpetuating them. Wisdom makes your face to shine. I like that. And it brings boldness. When you're full of wisdom, you can walk in any situation and think, ah, I'm the smartest fellow. I'm the smartest woman in here. If this is the best they've got, I'll run the show in six months. There's a confidence in that. And notice that wisdom affects your countenance, causes you to stand up higher, more courageous. That's the power of wisdom. This is everything Proverbs and Ecclesiastes says about wisdom. Wisdom is a delivering power. Wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. Wisdom is profitable to direct, but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. Jesus said, wisdom is justified of her children. New Living Translation kind of gives us that in a modern English. Wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. So we can tell by your life and my life how much wisdom we have actually working in it. That's just a sample of what the Bible says about wisdom. And if that's all we had, I don't, you guys know I don't respect the Holy Spirit. We don't quench him around here. But if that's all I've got, I'll focus on wisdom over the Holy Ghost any day of the week. Knowing he, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of wisdom. And it all works interchangeably. But we are rightly dividing all these aspects of the leadings of God. So two types of wisdom. The Bible speaks of two types of wisdom available to mankind, man's wisdom and the wisdom of God. Or we'd say natural versus supernatural wisdom or head wisdom versus heart wisdom. Obviously, God's wisdom is superior, and the Bible tells us that. But it always surpasses man's wisdom, but this does not negate or diminish the usefulness and the value of man's wisdom. One of the things I do as a pastor and a leader and a husband is that if somebody in my life knows more than me about a thing in the natural, I'm talking to them on a regular basis. I'm calling them up. I'm asking them, what do you know about mortgage rates? What do you know about refinancing? We just refinanced our house because the rates were lower. We should have done it probably two or three years ago, but the rates were still significantly lower than what we did 10 years ago. My brother is a banker and a mortgage guy. I called my brother up. It's the best fellowship we've had in 10 years <laughs> because he lives in Florida and we don't see each other much. And we probably talk more in those three weeks than we have in a long time. I picked his brain and his wisdom tremendously helped us. I had him review stuff. Am I being taken advantage of here? Holy Spirit didn't help me in any of that, not to disrespect the Holy Spirit. I could sit there and pray and fast and wait for the Holy Spirit to speak to me while mortgage rates go back up, or I can find somebody who has natural wisdom and be biblical. And I'm telling you guys, you know what, some of you from our old, fla our old flavor, we would have sat around and waited for a voice or a bump in the dark when the hillbilly down the road who didn't know God was 10 times smarter than we were on the subject, and we would have ignored his wisdom and experience because I'm led by the Spirit. 
Well, thank God you are, but I'm led by the word and wisdom too. And wisdom says, if you know more than me, you're my new best friend. And we'll, be, we'll begin a friendship and I might know more than you on something and you can come to me in the future. We don't diminish the useful, usefulness of natural wisdom, but the wisdom of God always has at any time the opportunity to trump that when it's necessary. And there are those rare occasions when natural wisdom says this, but God says do this. But those are for, that's for mature believers. We're trying to lay a foundation of simplicity so that we can improve our accuracy. If everything you do violates natural wisdom, you're not led by God. There are those occasions when everything says do this, but the Holy Spirit says do that. Amen. Some have neglected natural wisdom in order to appear spiritually superior and in doing so have suffered loss and promotion. And usually it sounds something like this. I know the Bible says this, but... One of the things we'll probably teach on tonight, I think one of the most dangerous areas of pride we all have in us is when we think the preaching and teaching of God's Word does not apply to us in our favorite area because we're special and different. I really see that in how we raise our kids in this church, and I see that in some of our own private lives. If you happen to think you're the exception to the rule that we can prove from 10 verses or 30 verses, that is a very dangerous form of pride. You have to take every word from the Scripture as it is your life and death pres preservation. You can't ever think, well, we're, that doesn't apply to us. We're special. My kids are special. My marriage is exempt from that. That is a dangerous form of pride. Every word of God is pure, more pure than silver that's been tried seven times, and it is profitable for direction, instruction, correction, doctrine, that you may be thoroughly furnished into all good works. Look at Jesus. He increased in wisdom. If Jesus could increase in wisdom, so can we. Sometimes we think <clears throat> we know all we need to know, and that's ignorance as well. Luke chapter 2, verse 40, And the child Jesus grew, and he waxed strong in spirit or attitude and resolve, and he was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God, filled with wisdom, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Notice that even this child was growing in wisdom. The child grew. The child grew. Wisdom can be taught to children. Common sense. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. That means height and age. Did you know Jesus got older? <laughs> Do you know he grew up? Do you know he went through puberty? Do you know his voice changed? He was a man in all points like as we. But he increased in wisdom, though he is wisdom. He is the wisdom of God. But in his earthly ministry, the word incarnate, the incarnation, increased in wisdom. And in doing so, increased in favor with God and man. So if Jesus can increase in wisdom, so can we. Now this is one of those mysteries that we don't try to decipher too much because we'll step into the realm of heresy. But the Word of God, the fact that He was born of a virgin, had to breastfeed, had to have His diapers changed, maybe uh, cut teeth and maybe cried when He cut teeth, fell down, skinned His knee. I don't know if He did that or not. Somebody might say that's blasphemous to think the Word could shed blood before Calvary. He's a kid. 
to think that he got wiser and he suffered things and learned things and had to submit to his parents. He's an example for us. There is no evidence Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit until his baptism in the River Jordan. Because then it says, and then the Spirit led him into the wilderness. No evidence from the Scriptures he was ever directed by the voice of the Holy Ghost until he began his ministry. When, they, when John saw the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descend upon him as a dove, and the voice of God the Father said, my, Behold my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But what is very clear is that he continuously increased in wisdom. The wisdom of God and the law of God were steering his life when the Holy Spirit was not. Let us be like our Lord and increase in wisdom. All right, next page. How do we get wisdom? It's a lot easier than being led by the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't make you look as mystical. And I'm so over people looking mystical. If you're going to be that accurate by the Holy Spirit, you should have a lot more fruit in your life. And the first three fruit of the most priority, of highest priority, love, joy, peace. We are not born wise, neither are we born again wise. Wisdom must be sought out and obtained. The good news is that wisdom is not elusive. The Bible ascribes the feminine gender to wisdom. She cries out. So she, maybe that's why it's described as a woman. She's mouthy. <laughs> She's vocal. She cries out. Look at Proverbs 1, verses 20 and 21. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to, to, gather, uh, to those gathered in front of the city gate. Notice that she is not quiet. She's not a still small voice. The Holy Spirit is a still small voice. Wisdom cries out. She shouts. Therefore, you shouldn't miss it. Doth not wisdom cry out and understanding put forth her voice? Proverbs 8.1. She is loud. She's vocal. This is one of, ways, one of the ways God is very merciful in our life. We shouldn't be making stupid decisions over and over and over again. Wisdom is not hard to find. Truthfully, wisdom is easier to hear than the voice of the Holy Ghost. Wisdom cries out. The voice of the Holy Spirit is often a still, small voice. And I'd rather have somebody shout at me. Lord, you know how I hear from you. Lord, I don't want to be dense, dumb. I'm not trying to be stubborn. Just tell me. Just make it clear. And God says, yes, wisdom is clear. Usually when I go to Dr. Barclay and I'm, I'm having troubles with some decision making, I'll say, Pastor, what does wisdom say here? And if he doesn't know, I'll say, all right, can we pray about this? See what the Holy Ghost says. I, I'm almost always looking for wisdom first and foremost. I don't want voices. Because you and I, if we start looking for voices, still small voices, we'll get so still, so quiet, we'll drift off into this neither realm where all sorts of things will start talking to us. And you need to understand the demon realm is like the radio station frequencies. There's 10,000 voices out there. And the more you focus in on one, the louder it will become to you. There are even times as a pastor, I say, I'm just a Baptist, I'm just a Baptist, I'm just a Baptist. I don't need voices. I just need the word and I need wisdom. And it's profitable to direct. Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principle, the supreme thing. Do you hear that? Wisdom is the supreme thing. And if you have it, your life will be better. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. NIV says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I love that. It's like Solomon talks to us like we're stupid. What's the beginning of wisdom? Get it. 
Just get some. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. The beginning of wisdom is simple. Just get some. Get around people whose lives are better than yours. Get around people who have better experiences than you do. And that takes humility. It takes humility. Don't think you know it all. Knowledge abounds today, but wisdom is rare. Modern man has the world's database of knowledge of knowledge available in the palm of their hand on your smartphone, yet still continues to make foolish and harmful decisions. We can ask Google anything and have an answer in a fraction of a second. Not just have one answer, have 10,000 pages with the same answer or variations. But that hasn't made us our lives any better. It hasn't made our decision-making any better. It has not added wisdom to us because wisdom is knowing what to do with your knowledge. Wisdom has to be earned through humility. Wisdom is earned through study. Wisdom is earned by asking people for help. If you're not asking people for help, you have pride in your life, and that pride will cost you the wisdom you need. Every Christian must continuously grow in wisdom. The quickest way to get wisdom is to ask. The best verse is James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, well, that would be all of us, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of the Father, or ask of God, uh, of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth or rebuketh not, and it shall be given him. All you have to do is ask, and God will give it to you. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give it to you in the form of correction. He'll give it to you in the form of a Bible verse. He'll give it to you in the form of a connection you need. It will come. It won't always come by some mystical voice. And again, I'm not trying to diminish the Holy Spirit, but I want us to get away from our fruitcake charismatic rut. I told you, uh, my friend, Pastor Darren, who I served for about five years, he had a friend. He said, the man knew Proverbs so well, he made every decision in life from the book of Proverbs and had a tremendously successful upward trajectory life just by making decisions from the book of Proverbs. 31 chapters. There's a lot of wisdom in that book. And then I, I count Ecclesiastes as Proverbs part two because Ecclesiastes is Solomon thinking back about all the stupidity he went through not listening to his own Proverbs. So there's more wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. To obtain wisdom for any situation is to slow down and ask for it. You got to slow down. Don't be so hasty. Don't think you know everything. And just because a recipe worked for you before, don't assume it's going to work again. Slow down and ask. It's very easy to get a momentum going and you overshoot your target, overshoot your exit, miss your, your, your destiny because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. We don't want to get into a rut. We want to have a dynamic walk with God where wisdom is constantly being added to us. Wisdom should be sought for, something sought for every day. Here are other biblical ways to obtain this tremendous source of direction. Now, again, this is the number two way we get direction. So we ought to emphasize it, number two. Number one is knowing the Bible. But from the Bible, the Bible is our primary source of wisdom. So the fear of the Lord, how do we get wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I listed several verses to back up every one of these that you can study on your own. Fear God. What does that mean? It means that you want to revere him and honor him in every decision. Does buying that new car honor him 
or is wisdom saying something else? Is getting into a new house, does that honor God? You want to cautiously move through every major decision in life, making sure it honors God and isn't just for your own gratification. My grandfather, right before he died, he was on his deathbed and he said, I'm afraid that all the decisions we made as deacons in the Methodist church was more for our glory and not God's, and I fear that now. And I thought, what a, what a profound thing to say right before you die. Not, I'm going to miss my wife, or I'm going to miss my grandkids growing up. I fear to meet God knowing we made decisions to glory, glorify us. The fear of the Lord slows down and asks the question, is this for our selfish gain, or is God in this for us? Second point, wisdom can be taught. A lot of verses there talking about, I will teach you wisdom, or wisdom is taught. So you get around people that have a lot of wisdom. I prefer to bring in the oldest ministers I can, the most experienced I can, because I want experience to teach this church. I'm a young minister. I understand that. Some, you know, the church is getting younger, so all the young folks think I'm old. But I've got ministry friends that have been preaching longer than I've been alive. That's what I want preaching. I don't want the young whiz-bang preachers. They have nothing to offer yet. I want the old guys. I want the old women because they've been around. They've seen some things, and they still fear God. It can be taught. You should have people in your life you look up to. And no matter how old you are, there should be somebody more wise than you in your life. And if you have nobody you trust more than you, you're a fool. There has to be somebody in your life you passionately trust more than you. And if you can't go to that person with everything in your life, you've got to make some hard adjustments. Get wise counsel and advice. Let me read you Proverbs 1.5. Because probably one of the quickest and best ways to get wisdom is to ask for help. And yet prideful gurus prideful spiritual word of faith people and we've really dried that up pretty good in this church and I use guru because Pastor Vaughn used to all the time I think we all understand like the charismatic guru that's like the parking lot witch that, that's the woman who wants to prophesy in the bathroom over sheep that aren't hers or they want to get on Facebook and have a Facebook ministry when they don't have a faithfulness to church ministry they will never go and get wisdom they want to go off and play ministry because it makes them feel important because they don't know who they are in Christ Proverbs 1.5 says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Proverbs 11.14, Where no counsel is, the people shall fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Proverbs 12.15, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 13, 10, I'll read to you. Only by pride comes contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Probably the quickest, best way to get wisdom is to humble yourself and ask for help. Justice is learning sign language right now. He's 14 months. He's learned, the first two things he learned was please, because that gets him food, and all done, which gets him down. But the third thing he's learned is help. Everything, help, please. Help, please. It's a cool thing to look at a little boy who wants stuff and realizes it's out of his reach and so he needs help. And we forget that when we get to be 30 and 40 and 50. God isn't expecting you to know it all on your own. He has surrounded us with wise people, folks who have wisdom in their areas of strength, 
and we have our areas of strength, but we polish one another. We supply one another with the wisdom we need. We're not designed to exist on our own. A man of understanding will attain unto wise counsels. Proverbs 15.22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So get wise counsel. Only pride keeps you from asking for help. Proverbs 19.20, hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. So hear counsel and get instruction. Proverbs 20.18, every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. Proverbs 24, 6, For by wise counsel shalt thou make thy war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Don't fulfill Proverbs 18, 1, which says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire and quarrels against all sound wisdom. The other proverb you don't want to fulfill is, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Nor do you want to fulfill the proverb that says, the sluggard is more wise in his own eyes than seven men that can render a reason. The sluggard, lazy person. You don't want to be more wise in your own eyes than seven men around you who can render a reason, or seven women. I had a friend of mine one time who was going to leave his church, and I said, well, have you gone and talked to your pastor about it, why you're leaving and, and uh, your purpose and and get his permission, his blessing, maybe prayer. No, I'm not going to talk to him because he'll just try to talk me out of it. And I thought, I know your pastor. He, he won't try to hinder anything. You probably need to have him pray for you, even if you're out of the will of God, so you can go blessed. No, I don't want to talk to him. I'm just going to leave. That's a slugger. That's a man more wise in his own eyes than seven men that can render a reason. Don't be that fool. Final two points, correction imparts wisdom, Proverbs 29, 15. That's why we should love correction, because if wisdom is better than rubies and gold, then every time you get verbally spanked, it's like somebody dumping rubies and gold in your lap. Study the Bible, especially Proverbs. Proverbs mentions wisdom 53 times, and Ecclesiastes mentions wisdom 25 times. And Proverbs 1 tells the reason for the Proverbs' existence, that you might obtain wisdom and be able to preserve yourself and understand prudence and justice and equity. Study the Bible. Study the Proverbs. If you have a track record of bad decision-making, study the Proverbs over and over and over again. Dwell there and watch your efficacy, your efficiency, your satisfaction rate, your happiness go up. But stop making dumb decisions. Amen. How about this final verse? May we all be wise as serpents yet gentle as doves. A lot of folks in the modern church, they're all about this hippie gentleness. They just want to coo. Oh, that's so rough, pastor. Okay, that's half of what Jesus said. The first half said, be wise as serpents, which means you slither in and out of things. You're constantly flicking your tongue out there, making sure everything is safe before you land and coo. Snakes have all these heat sensors in their head and they taste things with their tongue. Snakes, not thinking of Satan, but the creation that is a serpent is a fearfully and wonderfully made creature. And Jesus spoke of him in the positive here. Be wise as a serpent, moving in and out very cautiously, feeling out all the sensories you have to your uh, aid before you set up anywhere. But some Christians are just dumb birds, just fly in, don't even look where they land, 
and then some other snake strikes them and takes them down. Wise as serpents, then gentle as doves. Amen.